2 Corinthians chapter 1 to continue our study of this book penned by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And I want to read verse, beginning in verse 3 to verse 11 as our text for today. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, uh, 2 Corinthians, last week we started to uh, look at this great book and I gave you kind of an introduction to the book itself, some background, and and then uh, kind of focused on uh, some key issues. As you know, I talked about it last week that I uh, was spending... Uh, Sunday evening and Monday and Tuesday in Miami at a special event of 25 leaders from across the United States, and and uh, I had a very interesting and intense time during those two days. There's no agenda that they communicate to us before we get there, and uh, so uh, they kind of stretch us and put us in situations that uh, we're not necessarily accustomed to. So uh, even for myself, I, I had to do a role play with, uh, with four other individuals. I won't tell you their names because you would recognize uh, their names. Um, but I had to uh, play a part and uh, a few others had to play a part that, that were, were really parts that, roles that were far from our Christian worldviews. And while we're there, we get asked questions, we have to answer, you don't have time to study, et cetera, et cetera. And so on one day I was asked, well, what did you preach on yesterday? And I had to talk a little bit about my message last Sunday. So I got thinking about that really quickly because I couldn't get out notes. I couldn't say, well, okay, let's see, what, what was the message about? And so I thought, what was the key issue? And so the key issue last week was really not the background and the introduction to the book, 
The key issue really was uh, revolved around the title that I gave for the message, and the message was this, let's try this again. And so we talked about how the Apostle Paul uh, most likely wrote four letters to the church at Corinth, and 2 Corinthians really was his fourth letter, although in our text, in, our, in the canon of Scripture, it is, the, is 2 Corinthians. And so when we think about that, really what jumps out in my mind was this, that Paul was, was personally attacked by this church. No one really wanted to pastor the church at Corinth. Uh, it was a church that had all kinds of confusion, and personally they attacked Paul's character. They attacked Paul's call to ministry. They uh, really attacked even the content of what he was preaching and teaching and writing about. And they got really personal with Paul. They, they, in essence, told Paul that they didn't even like his abilities to teach and preach. He was kind of like some hillbilly, and he really wasn't a great orator. And yet Paul remained faithful to the ministry. But the key was this, that Paul never gave up on that church. He, he never gave up on those individuals. And so he wanted them, and that's what we looked at in chapter 1 and verse 2, he wanted them to experience the grace and peace of Almighty God. So he wasn't praying and thinking, God, will you really zap these people for all the hard times that I'm experiencing because of them. No, he, he loved them, he cared about them, and even if they were his enemies, he was to bless them. And so his prayer in essence was, God, allow them to experience your grace and your peace. And so in that book, what we looked at was this, that, that the Apostle Paul, in the seven, first seven chapters, he talks about how, he talks about comfort. We're going to look at that today, because Paul talks about the God, the God of all comfort. And in those first seven chapters, he's talking to the church at Corinth, those who are faithfully following God and are supporting him. He wants them to be comforted. And so he deals with, with all the issues of, of how he wants them to be comforted by God. In chapter 8 and 9, Paul is focused on a collection. He, his concern, even though he's hurting and having difficulties himself, his concern is focused on the saints at Jerusalem who are going through hard times and are in great need. And so Paul becomes a fundraiser. And he wants the church at Corinth to give so that he can carry these funds back to Jerusalem and help those who are in great need. But then in chapter 10 through chapter 13, Paul becomes very confrontational. The whole tone of the book changes. And he's, he's dealing with this small group that are creating problems and trouble in the church, and he confronts them on a number of different issues. But then how does he end? Like he begins. And so in the end, we, we looked at chapter 13 and verse 10 through uh, verse 14, where the Apostle Paul there is really focused on First of all, you need to accept your duties and, and your resources. That's uh, in chapter 13 and verse 11. And then in chapter, 12 and, or chapter 13 and verse 12 and 13, he talks about the resource that they have of, of believers, and so they, they needed to rely on one another. 
And then his conclusion was this, that what you need to rely on most is God. And if you're going to deal with your problems, you need to be a godly person. And so in respect to that, he then gives this great benediction to end the book. And he talks about this, may may the Lord provide grace to you. He he says, "May, may the Father give you love. And may the Holy Spirit direct and enable you. And so that's how he concludes the book. So here's the lesson, though. Let's try it again. Never give up. I was talking to John Pratt this morning, one of our members and attenders in the first service, and he spent a lot of time in Dallas, Texas. And I've read a lot of books about uh, some of the old preachers that lived in Dallas, Texas, and were part of First Baptist Church Dallas, a huge Southern Baptist church. And uh, one of the great preachers there who was there at that church, probably some 33 years, if I remember correctly, was W.A. Criswell, a great orator, a great uh, expositor, a great preacher of the Word of God. And one day when John was there, he walked into the study of W.A. Criswell, and, and he saw that Criswell was just there uh, bawling his eyes out, crying, just weeping. And he said he was delivering some papers to him, and he really didn't know quite what to say to this great man of God, but he finally said, are you okay, Dr. Criswell? And Dr. Criswell said this to him. He says, I've been praying for a prostitute for 15 years, and God just saved her. That's what he was crying about. The lesson is this for all of us from first or second Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 13. Don't give up. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on the people at your work. Don't give up on life. Don't give up. See? Let's try it again. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on leaders. Don't give up. Because we have a great God who can help us and console us and strengthen us. Now that was last week. So today our focus is on verses 3 to 11 where the Apostle Paul talks about consolation, comfort. In verse 3 through verse uh, 8 or verse 7, Paul focuses on uh, consolation in affliction. He uses the word affliction on a couple of occasions here. And what he wants us to understand from those verses especially is that we have a God who comforts us. So notice what he says in verse uh, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. If you read verse 3 through verse 7, five verses, you will find the word comfort used ten times. Do you think Paul's concerned about comfort? Ten times in five verses, the word comfort is used. And Paul talks here about how, in essence, uh, we all need comfort. And God can give us the comfort uh, that we all need. And so if, you know, if I were to uh, ask you even uh, today, you know, well, uh, who needs comfort or who doesn't need comfort? I hope you wouldn't raise your hand because all of us need comfort. Paul needed comfort. The great apostle needed comfort. 
And when we talk about comfort, it's, it's a great Greek word. It's made up of a preposition and uh, a verb. Para kaleo. The word para uh, is the preposition. In essence, it just means uh, the side of. Kaleo uh, is a word that means to call. And so the word comfort or parakaleo means to call alongside of someone. But the word in essence really means that we need something uh, strong uh, to stand next to us. We need solid strength. And so this word uh, comfort or parakaleo ended up meaning encouragement and strengthen and console. And all of us need to be consoled. All of us need comfort, every one of us, even the Apostle Paul. I uh, think that sometimes when we think about the promise of God, that he's a God of all comfort, that we have sometimes this, this view that, that God is going to comfort us by getting us out of every affliction and problem. But I want you to know that that's not the case. There's an Arab proverb that says, all sunshine makes a desert. And if all we had was sunshine in our life and no problems, we'd be shallow people and shallow Christians. And so God permits things to come into our lives to strengthen us and and to, to help us to mature and to grow and to realize how much we need him. And so here is this great word, parakaleo. Now, the other word that that jumps out here is this, that what uh, Paul is saying is that we have a God who comforts us in all our afflictions. He talks about that then in just a a few uh, uh, words down, and he says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So he talks about all affliction and any affliction, and I think his focus is this, that it doesn't matter what we're going through. Later he talks about burdens. In fact, I want you to notice that in in verse uh, 8. He talks uh, about burdens beyond our strength, and the word burden means to be overloaded. In fact, it was even used of ships that, that had so much cargo on it that the ship was ready to go, to go under and to sink. And so what he's saying is this, that there are afflictions. I don't care what the affliction is, God is there to comfort us. When you feel that life has pressured you and, and pushing in on you, because that's what the word affliction means. It, it, it's a word that means to press. And so what Paul is dealing with here is that all of us deal with some kinds of afflictions. Not just health issues. It can be marital issues. It can be family issues. It can be business issues. It can be financial issues. No matter what the issue is, it presses in on us and we've become so burdened, so over, overtaxed that we feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. In fact, that's what Paul talks about when he says he's despised even of life itself. Now think about that though. Paul, I... I uh, came up uh, this week with a a little quote. I asked some people, who do you think this quote is from? And uh, to be honest with you, no one uh, came up with who actually the the quote was from. And it says this, I am the subject of depression of spirits so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I get to. Now, I asked some leaders even, who's that quote from? No one guessed. The quote was from the greatest person who's viewed as the greatest preacher of all times, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
And when I think, here's Paul, here's Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you know, all of us have burdens. All of us have afflictions. All of us are pressured. And all of us need comfort. And so, who, who, who doesn't need comfort? Well, I, if, you, if you would have raised your hand at that question and, and you said, well, you know, I don't need any question or any comfort, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be wondering, you know, whether you're in touch with reality or not. We all need comfort. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what his affliction is here. Some think it was his, quote, thorn in the flesh. Some think that it was some physical problem. Others think that Paul's affliction that he's talking about here because he not only deals with this theoretically, he's dealing with it in a very experiential way. He wants us to know that God is the father of of mercies and the God of all comfort, and you need to know that as fact, but you also need to experience it. That we have a God who will comfort us. He'll be there alongside of us. He'll give us strength and help us and enable us. But he doesn't necessarily take us out of the problem. I read this this week. The goodness of God does not consist in a desire to cushion his children from the hardships and pains of life. But we have before us, though, this great passage on divine uh, comfort. Now, I want you to to realize what he has to say here. He talks about not only the comfort that all of us need, but he talks about the source of that comfort when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. So Paul uses this term for God, the Father. He's the Father of mercies. In essence, he he means he's the the father of compassion. He's the source of of compassion. And Paul has in mind here that we have a God who is compassionate. He's concerned over our misfortune. He pities us in a sense. He feels our pain. That's what Paul is communicating to us. And so he's the father of mercies. I, I love how Paul and others use that term for God. Father. Do you know that Jesus himself in the Gospels, I'm, I'm, now I won't lie to you and tell you that this week I counted through the Gospels to see how many times uh, Jesus used the term Father, but uh, all the experts on this tell, tell us that Jesus used the term Father 170 times. And so you and I, because of Jesus Christ, can approach a God in heaven as our Father, our Heavenly Father. And He's a Father of compassion. I love the Psalms, and Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14 says this As a Father shows compassion to His children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, He remembers that we're dust. In other words, He knows how needy we are. How do you handle needy people? I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I'm, if I'm with somebody who is just constantly in need and, and crying and, and just, you know, everything's a problem. Even tiny things become great, mighty things, and, and they just can't handle anything. I have to look to God for some patience and help. I'm thankful that I'm not married to somebody like that. You guys laugh sometimes that, you know, I tell jokes about Elaine. I, I want you to know that... I never say anything about Elaine that Elaine doesn't know I'm going to say. And Elaine's a strong person. If Elaine looked at me and says, 
you're not using that one, guess what? You're not going to know what that one is. But here, the focus is this, that we have a God who understands we're dust. He understands that we're needy babies at times, that he will be there for us and take care of us. And so the psalmist says, as a father shows compassion to his children. Now, I guess we could stop there and think as dads, as men, are we teaching our children about the compassion of God by being examples of that compassion? But then he tells us, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. And so he talks about back in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, that uh, the source of, of real comfort is first of all the, the father of mercies. But then he talks about the God of all comfort. Notice he uses the word all. In fact, then later he talks about any affliction. So if Paul told us what his affliction was, we'd probably say, well, God comforts us only in that kind of a situation. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, doesn't tell us specifically what his problem is. He tells us, notice in verse 8, if we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, but even there, he doesn't tell us what it is. Most likely, the church at Corinth knew what that was. But Paul doesn't deal with that. He doesn't tell us what it is. He doesn't want us to, to buttonhole this. He wants us to realize that no matter what we're going through, God is there for us, and he's the God of all comfort. Well, he uh, talks about the God of all comfort here, and uh, he, he's a person for us in all of our troubles, all hard times. He comforts us uh, in, not uh, uh, out of our problems, Whatever our struggles, our difficulties, our trials are, uh, our distresses, our pressures, he is there for us. Well, Scripture tells us that we have God, who is the Father of uh, mercies and the God of all comfort. We know that the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of John, that when he, he was uh, to leave, he would send the Comforter. So we have the Holy Spirit living within us to comfort us. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, we view there that Jesus is one of our comforters as well. And so the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are concerned about us, and they are there to comfort us and help us. Now, Paul experienced this mercy and comfort, and so he wants us to recognize that as well. So he goes from uh, the source of uh, our comfort and uh, to uh, the responsibility of uh, comforting. And so when God comforts us, why does he comfort us? Just to make life easier? Make it easier for us to live? Better place to live? No, he gives us a specific purpose. And so what we find here is that we have this privilege and we're blessed that he comforts us, but he does that for a specific reason. So notice what he says. He says this, who comforts us, verse 4, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so what's the purpose of God comforting us? Well, it, it's not then just to make life better for us. He's comforted us, not just for our benefit, but so that we can benefit other people. If you're going through a hard time right now, I can tell you that the best 
therapy for you is to go and help other people, not just focus on yourself. We, we, we get uh, very, very uh, selfish sometimes as we're dealing with our problems and, and our own lives. You know, I love uh, uh, TV commercials. So there's one on right now that I always love to, to watch. Every time I see it, I laugh. And it's a commercial where a therapy session is going on. Some of you probably have seen this. And here's this patient laying on, you know, the psychiatrist's couch, the old Freudian kind of couch. And he's talking about his life and he shares how, you know, how key relationship he's in is, is really, really boring. And the therapist then jumps in and she says, yeah, she too relates to uh, him with how uh, her limited choice of on-demand channels really got boring for her. But then she got direct TV. And the poor guy who's on the counseling couch looks over at her and says, well, what about my problems? And if you've seen the commercial, she's got her pen and paper in hand. She's taking notes on this counseling session. And what she says, not real loud, um, but loud enough to him for him to say, what was that? She writes down, classic narcissist. But you see, we're all that way. And here's what God's saying. He comforts us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort he's given to us. It's amazing how God comforts us in different things and then brings people into our lives that need similar kinds of comfort. If you've lost a child, we all ought to be concerned and comfort you, but I'll bet you the most comforting person is somebody who's also lost their child and have, has found the comfort of Almighty God. As a leader, I, I find comfort from other leaders oftentimes because they understand what leaders go through. And so here he tells us that it is our responsibility to, to share our comfort. And so the common experience of suffering and, and comfort is what helps to uh, unite us. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. You see, comforting others is being sharers of God's comfort, and that's all about giving. And so we need to be givers. We need to be individuals who really give back what God has blessed us with. Now, he talks in, in verse uh, 5 and, and all about how, uh, you know, we're to uh, also realize that, that we have responsibility, and he talks really there about how we need to depend uh, on uh, steadfast, in, uh, steadfast endurance. We, we ought to have a proper attitude when we're going through hard times. You can't lose heart. You need to remain in your purpose and, and in uh, loyalty to Christ, you can't throw in the towel, so to speak. And Paul definitely was that way. That even though he's going through hard times, he remained faithful to, to God and, and faithful to uh, the ministry that God has called him to. And uh, then he talks about confidence in verse 6 and verse 7. He says this, it is for your comfort... Uh, which you experience when you patiently endure uh, endure the same suffering that we suffer, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, uh, you will also share in our comfort 
And so be sharers, in essence, of that comfort. Well, then he switches gears and he goes from uh, God being uh, a comforting God to a delivering God. And so he talks about preservation in, in affliction. And he talks about this event or some uh, terrible affliction that took place in Asia. He tells us in verse uh, 8 that uh, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we even despised of life. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but uh, that was to make us, and notice he gives us kind of three things here. So why, does, why do we suffer at times? Well, first of all, God doesn't want us to rely on ourselves. He tells us that in uh, verse 9. He tells us, uh, secondly, that we need to rely on God. And then I think what we also find as you read the next uh, two verses is that God allows us to go through times of suffering so that uh, we would, uh, our lives would truly glorify God. I read a quote from uh, Polycarp, who was an ancient bishop in, of Smyrna, and uh, he was bound to be uh, martyred. And here's what he says, I thank thee, he's talking to God, praying to God, I thank thee that thou hast judged me worthy of this honor. And so he realized that even giving his life, he was doing it with a purpose, that he was honoring and glorifying uh, God. Well, then I want you to notice that uh, he uh, talks about this, not only this trial in Asia, he, he wants us to know that it was intense, and we need to realize that many of our trials are intense. I know that some of you are going through some really intense trials right now, afflictions. They're intense. You, you can't water them down. They're, they're intense. They're, they're serious issues. And what he's saying here in these verses, like in verse 9, is this, that you need to hang in there. There needs to be steadfast endurance. And, and what Paul said about himself was this. He determined to trust God and, and not himself. Because we do have those options. We can give in, but that's not what God wants. And then he tells us that uh, God is the one who delivers us. So notice what he says, verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. Delivered here does not mean that God just took them out of this, but that God was there for them, helped them. Uh, he will deliver us and anything that takes place in the future. And then I think when he says, uh, he continues... And he says, on him we set our hope that he will deliver us again. I think he's talking really about the second coming of Christ when Christ comes back and, and just rights all wrongs and heals everything and everything will be great and wonderful. And that's our blessed hope, you see, that he's talking about here. And so God will deliver us past, present, and uh, future. But then I want you to notice what else he says in verse 11. And I'm going to give you a formula here for success. He says in verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So now what's he talking about? He's talking about prayer. He's saying this, that we need to be helped through prayer. We need you to pray for us. And uh, he, I think that he's dealing with a vital ministry that, uh, um, of us praying for one another. And I think it's a ministry, though, that is often neglected today. I remember as a young, young child that uh, 
one day my dad um, said to my brother and I and my mom, uh, we're traveling to such and such a place. It was quite a, uh, quite a distance outside of Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, it was, uh, you know, hours away. And we're going to go see a person's, uh, person there that uh, I want to spend time with. And I remember, you know, my brother and I asking, well, who is he? What, why are we going there? And so forth. Uh, I, know, I remember his name. I won't tell you his name, but it's not a household name. He had, didn't write 50 books. He wasn't a pastor of a large church. Uh, he was not well known in the United States or around the world. But here is what he was known for. He was a man of prayer. He, he was old. He didn't work. And I remember us going there. Uh, I remember to this day, and again, I was really young. I won't tell, tell you what age I was and how many years ago that was, but I was, I was really young. I remember what we had for lunch that day at, at his house and, and how meager that lunch was because they didn't have much at all. They didn't have much of a, of, of a residence, they, 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 but they were happy and they loved the Lord. And boy, they loved us. They loved all my brother and I, even as little kids. And my dad went there because here was a man who had a ministry of prayer and he prayed for people. And my dad had, had a big need at that point. And I remember his humble prayers for my dad right then and there, just as a little kid. And I remember, though, days later when that prayer was answered. See? A vital ministry. And so here's Paul. I want you to get this because he gives us a formula. You, you, I don't know if any of you have had many math classes. or I remember at Syracuse University, I, I had to take a number of statistic classes. And then the professors would write formulas around the entire room almost because there were, at that time, blackboards. But the blackboards were, went literally around the room. And they're writing these formulas. And they would tell us that if you, you fill in the formula correctly, then the answer is going to be correct. Here's the formula that Paul gives us, and it's a formula for success in how to handle trouble, afflictions. Here it is. First of all, God. We have to have God because God is the Father of mercies and he is the God of all comfort. Only God can reach deep inside our very beings and be, bring compassion and comfort and strength. Only God can come alongside of us and give us the strength that we don't have on our own. It starts with God. But here's the formula. It's God plus a responsibility that he's given us. And so what's that responsibility? steadfast endurance. He wants us to trust him. He wants us not to be relying on ourselves, but on him. And so we need to hang in there. We need to be, as Paul tells us, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, we need to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, the formula is still not finished, though. If you're going through deep waters, you need God first and foremost. Secondly, you, you need to realize that you have to trust him. But here's the third thing that we read even in this passage, that we need the comfort 
and the prayers of God's people. That's the formula. If you're going through deep waters and you don't want to drown, you need God. You need to hang in there and, and, and trust him. And you need the comfort and prayers of God's people. Now, I was thinking yesterday about finishing this sermon. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, you know, I think it's important for us to, to realize that God does not promise to eliminate trouble in our lives. He promises to help us through the troubles and to comfort us in those troubles. And he gives us this formula that we need to uh, put into practice. But my heart was burdened for those who are in this auditorium, who listen on radio, who watch us live stream or watch us on television, who've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because if you're here today, you're listening today or watching today, and you've never believed in Christ as your Savior I hate to tell you this, but here, this is the truth. You, you don't have a God like the one we're talking about. It's sad. You, you have no assurance of comfort in your afflictions of life if you don't have Jesus. But here's the good news. If you acknowledge your need of salvation... And put your faith and trust in Christ. If you come to Christ, believe in him, you can receive the free gift of forgiveness and the free gift of eternal life. If you come to Christ, believe in him, trust in him, then you too may have the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, with you, to help you and sustain you. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal. Along with Paul, may we not only know, but experience that we have a God who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Let's pray.